My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentistry Podcast. I'm Dr. Sonny Spira, and I'm still filling in for Dr. Drew Burns. Drew, enjoy yourself. I got your seat warm and ready to move anytime you're ready to come back. Our guest is a special guest today. It's someone who I've seen lecture, and it was his lecture was specifically at that time was on painless injection, and it was a complete mind-blowing experience for me and my partner at the time. It has changed the way we do things on that area. And if you ever get a chance to check it out, please do. It's phenomenal and it will change your entire culture, injections. Let's give you a little background. Education, he's a fellow of the Academy of General Dentistry, fellow Academy of Implant Dentistry, Brandenburg Surgical Prosthetic Certification in a 1978 DMD, graduate of Tufts University in dental medicine. His practice objectives are to provide the highest quality of care for the greatest number of patients and at the same time maintaining a balance between my personal and professional life. Provide dental education for professionals that will enhance their professional lives. As you heard, I just nice little testimony from me. Uh, provide information that will allow them to a provide a higher quality of care for their patients, balancing the art, science, and business of dentistry. And that's going to be our topic today, the balancing the art of science and business of dentistry as a fee-for-service practice. Please welcome Dr. Jeffrey Hoos. Welcome. What a great introduction. My mother would be so happy. She, (laughs) she, She would say, who could you possibly be speaking about? <laughs> so I know that this is audio, but it's nice to see you on this Zoom call and um, enjoying this beautiful day. It's uh, We had a nor'easter up here, so mm-hmm. a little cold and chilly, And but thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for being here. I, we got a chance to talk off, off air or off record a little bit. And, uh, it's amazing. Um, meeting some of the people who I consider at the top of our profession. And, and your mom's going to like this one too, but I think you're one of the people at the top of our profession. So um, thanks for taking the time and, and willing to help out our dental colleagues that are in the uh, fee-for-service arena. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about um, your why. How, why did you get into dentistry and how did you first say, oh, I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to do this. Where did all that come from? Well, thanks again. Thanks so very much. I will tell you that one of my goals 
in my career has always been to try to elevate dentists. Nothing would make me crazier than I would hear someone say, well, I applied to medical school, I didn't get in, and I decided to become a dentist. And I'm going, are you kidding? Really? And I remember distinctly at my dental school interview with Tom Junta, and I will never forget it. And he turned to me and he said, why don't you want to be a doctor? And I said, Dr. Junta, I do want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor of patients' mouths. I want to be a doctor of people who need help with their dentistry. And the truth of the matter is, Dr. Junta, that if you break your arm, you somehow could figure out how to put your arm in a sling. And if you hurt your face or you gray or cut yourself, you could somehow figure out how to stop the bleeding. But if it's three o'clock in the morning and you've got a bad toothache, there isn't a whole lot that you can do other than maybe drink a bottle of scotch. <laughs> and I had an experience that I was giving the lecture in Ireland and I happened to say, um, the lecture was promoted as to bringing your staff and bringing you know, everyone in your office. And there must've been about 150 people there. And I said, so how many of you in this room are doctors? And not one person raised their hand, not one. So I'm yeah. thinking, I'm in the twilight zone here. Yeah, sad. And so then I said, how many of you are dentists? And of course, 60 raised their hand. I said, okay, first of all, we are doctors of the mouth. We mm -hmm. are doctors of the mouth. And I have a blog site or a Facebook page called Dental Insights. And I invite you all to go out there and join a little self plug. And I saw a picture where someone had in their dental office on a good day, we save a tooth and on a great day, we save a life. Mm -hmm. And all of us have had the experience of finding oral cancer, or even I've had the experience of many times finding melanomas on people's necks and hemphagus and very strange diseases. We are doctors of the mouth. So please remind yourself to be elevated and to be proud of being a dentist. My dental story is really very simple and it really comes down to sort of related to the painless injections. Um, I grew up in a small town in Maine called Old Town, Maine, 12 miles north of Bangor. And I had loving parents, but my parents didn't know about dentistry. And so one day, one Sunday, we were coming back from my grandmother's house and I had a horrendous toothache. And my mother found a dentist who had a home office and banged on his door. I mean, there was no internet, that's for sure. No <laughs> cell phones. And he came, and I remember distinctly coming out and his name, and I will give you his name. His name was literally Dr. Savage. <laughs> With an A? <laughs> and I remember the green room and the green uh, robotic machine and the smells of the eugenol and all of those things. And I had a horrendous dental experience, horrendous dental experience. And I talk about this in my painless injection course. 
about having going through tremendous trauma as a child and fell in love with a dentist named Dr. Irving Paul, who has since passed away. And he changed my life. And my mother had a cut and paste of five-year-old Jeffrey Hoos saying, I want to be a dentist. So I've wanted to be a dentist my whole life. And I am the most self-actualized person you have ever met. Because in 1974, I applied to dental school and all the guys were coming back from Vietnam. And there were like 5,000 applicants for 100 places at schools. And I just didn't have stellar grades. I had good grades and I had good DAT scores. The first class that didn't have to carve chalk. The first class that didn't have to car carve chalk. And I had practiced a lot. And, um, <clears throat> and the only reason that I got a dental school interview I was told at the time was I had a perfect score on the visuals, a perfect score because I can just do it. And my, my daughter can do it also. I see three things three-dimensionally. And so the, the guy says, you're not going to get in this year, but if you go and get a master's, we'll get you in next year. So that's what I did. So I've wanted to be a dentist my whole life. And I graduated from Tufts in 1978. And I went to work for someone. And in six months, I was fired. And I was fired because I doubled his practice in six months, only doing one thing, trying to be nice to his patients. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. And quite frankly, in dental school, I developed the technique of the painless injection and it was using it from the beginning of my private practice. So then I went to work for someone else and I was fired in four weeks. And then I went to work for someone else and I was fired in eight weeks. And my wife was seven months pregnant there you go. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and Betsy, my wife, who has been my partner in crime for 46 years, she worked for a company called HealthCo in Boston. Ah, yeah. And we were friends with one of the vice presidents of HealthCo. Mm -hmm. And we opened a dental office on a second floor walk up in St Stratford, Connecticut with one dental chair and that dental chair was supposed to go to the New York dental meeting and was diverted to my office. And I had two aluminum file cabinets with a door with a solid core door on it and some aluminum chairs in a room that was supposed to be receptionary that had no windows. And I had one chair with pipes sticking out of the ground and one dental assistant. And I have a great story about this dental assistant. This dental assistant was a very formal English lady. Her name was Isabel. Very, very formal English lady. And she never smiled. She never smiled. She never smiled. And I said, Isabel, before you came to the United States, what did you do um, in England? She goes, 
well, doctor, I was a professional dancer. I said, you were a professional dancer? She goes, yes, I was a professional dancer. And I used to dance on a show called the London Palladium. And I'll tell you something else, doctor. I used to dance behind the Beatles. And I'll tell you something else, doctor. I did Ringo. <laughs> so anyway, so- Did she smile then? No, she never smiled, she never <laughs> smiled. And when I decided to hire a, dec a second dental assistant because I was getting a little busy, she quit because she thought she could do everything. But that's, that's a long story. So what's interesting about all of this is our first year, we grossed $100,000, which was a magnificent amount of money. And Bob Lavoie wrote a book called uh, uh -huh. $100,000 Dental Practice. Yeah. And what Bob Lavoie talked about was, if somebody is getting numb in one room, mm -hmm. you can clean their, if someone's getting numb, you can clean their teeth. And to this day, I have patients who have been with me for 40 years that remember that I used to clean their teeth. Mm -hmm. And so what does that all mean? It all means that it's all a balance. This art, science, and business of dentistry, I used to pride myself on doing amalgams with secondary anatomy. Mm -hmm. There was a guy named Chevelle, I think his name was, who did these amalgams that looked like Tyconium inlay. They looked like Gordon. white gold inlays. Mm -hmm. And so I would sit and I would carve these amalgams and I would polish them and I would do, and all this time while I had all the time in the world, I'd be talking to my patients. And my wife always said, you know more about your patients than anyone else because I just, I'm interested in what they do. I'm interested in what, why they came to my, and I always ask people, why have you come to my dental office? Mm -hmm. And so the practice just started to grow. And then my first year in private practice, there was a dental study club in Connecticut that was really well known. This guy named Larry Dom, who has since passed away, called me on the phone and said, we'd like you to come and speak to our dental study club. And I go, why? <laughs> why? What do you want to talk about? He goes, oh, we see that your parking lot is filled all the time. We want to know what you're doing. And that was my first dental lecture. I didn't have any slides. I didn't have any, you know, and, and someone said, weren't you nervous? And the truth of the matter is that I had been doing public speaking for years because my mother who was a school teacher put me into what's called the spear speaking contest and i practiced public speaking all the time and so i i didn't get nervous and like all Jew good jewish boys i had a bar mitzvah and you know and I had to get in front of people and i played and i played a musical instrument and i and i was in a band and and so talking to people was not an issue now, if you ask me to talk about how to knit a sweater, I, I, 
I, I, I, I, I don't know how to knit a sweater. <laughs> but if you're going to ask me about something I do every single day, then I'm just going to talk about what I do. And lots of people say to me, you never have any notes. You never, and the answer is, I will reveal that I have a learning disability. I have a very great learning disability. My disability is I have no auditory memory. It's a fascinating disability. So if you spell a word to me over four letters, I cannot tell you the word. Cannot tell you the word. And that's why all of my notes my whole life were always in color. And so everything I did was always with lots of notes that had visual cues in it. So if you show me a tooth and how it's supposed to look, not a problem. But if you describe to me how something's supposed to look, not a clue. So if someone says to me, hygiene check in room three, in 20 seconds, I have no idea that you told me that. So we have lots of visual cues around my office and someone will say, leave a note, how to do a hygiene check. So how does that all relate to art, science and business of dentistry? We're all trying to do the most beautiful dentistry we can. And those of us that grew up with Adaptic or NuvoSeal <laughs> or all of those things, we would cry if we had to match people's teeth. So I would do crazy stuff like I would put colored shavings in, in Adaptic and I would mix up this and I would do that and I would play with it all the time and different tints of acrylic and trying to do the most beautiful thing I could do. But as the science got better, today, if someone breaks off, has a class four and tooth number seven, we don't even think about it. Whereas many times, many years ago, well, maybe we should put a minikin pin in that tooth. Mm. Or maybe we should put a porcelain jacket on that tooth. Now we're doing sectional veneers and we're bonding things on. And, and so when dentinal bonding started occurring, you know, you know the, fa the famous story is that when Ray Bertolotti brought dentinal bonding to the United States based on Fusiyama's work in Japan, and a lot of people think it's John Kanka that did that. And John did amazing things for dentistry. It's really Bertolotti who brought it back to the United States. The endodontist said the only people that were going to be happy with dental bonding is us. Because acid on teeth kills teeth. Mm -hmm. Well, we just, we know it's, we know it doesn't. And so those of us that grew up with Dical and Copalite, you know, um, staple in dental school for me. Yeah. And you know, that when zinc oxyphosphate cement mm -hmm. and all of those things, think about the millions and millions of units that were done with zinc oxyphosphate cement and Duralon. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of units of Crown and Bridge put on with Duralon. In fact, I, I re-cemented yesterday a bridge that I did 31 years ago that was cemented on with Duralon. It wasn't the Duralon that was holding that on. It was the margins of that 
PFM mm-hmm. and a bit of that, you know, prosthesis. So this concept of art, what is amazing to me is you walk into a dental show, which we hopefully will do again, and you go down the aisles and you see Bisco, Curari, 3M, GC. You can keep naming them, and Boko, they all have Shufu. Yeah, there's lots. Yeah, Fuji. They all yeah. have bonding agents, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Tokiyama that's got a the Tokiyama's that's got a composite supposed to match everything, mm-hmm. and you've got these universal composites. Mm-hmm. How does one decide what to use? Is it based on price? Is it based on ease of placement? Is it based on its artfulness? Or is it based on good science? So there's a balance there, right? You want something that handles well. You want something that has a chameleon effect. You want something that, you know, will bond to the tooth. Bonding agents work. Do you use a single bond bottle? Do you use a three-step? Do you use a two-step? How do, what do you use? And what's interesting to me is the standard by which all of the bonding agents are really gauged against is one of Curari's products, SC Bond. And I lecture for Curari, so maybe it's a tainted endorsement, but Protect SE is an amazing bonding agent. And then we get into the argument, well, do you put acid on the enamel? And because bonding agent doesn't really etch enamel. And then we get to this argument, well, if you put a dental burr on enamel and break the prismatic layer, the bonding agent of SC bond does edge, does bond on enamel. And do you use a long bevel or do you use a, an uneven bevel? Mm-hmm. All of those are restorative techniques based on the science of dentistry. But here's the trick. You have a three-legged stool. You do the most beautiful dentistry world based on good science, and it takes you all day to do an MOD on tooth number 19. That's bad business. Mm -hmm. And unless you're independently wealthy, and you don't need the money, which isn't the case for me, then you have to use a good business model. And I always revert back to a lecture I gave in New York to a group of prosthodontists and a guy gets up and he says, you don't get it, Dr. Who's, if it takes me all day to do an onlay on tooth number 15 to capture that margin, that's what I'm going to do. And I said, that's, that's great that you're willing to do that. But I know someone that's not going to be very happy. He goes, it's not about being happy. It's about doing excellence. I said, I understand, but the patient that's had their mouth open all day is a very unhappy patient. It's like someone telling me that they take out wisdom teeth and it took them three hours to do a distal angle impaction. Why are you doing that when you could do a quadrant of dentistry in less than three hours and make four times as much money? Mm -hmm. Why would you do it? And I have a very good friend, Marty, who has a model that's very interesting. He's not fee for service. He takes lots of insurance companies. (laughs) But the interesting thing is if he caught, his concept 
not speaking for him, but his concept is, is that if it costs me $100 to do something and someone's going to pay me $250 and I made $150 profit, I'm doing it. Now, for me, I don't want to work that hard. Mm -hmm. So I am truly a fee-for-service practice. And we had an interesting thing happen on one of the dental uh, websites or Facebook pages, and I think you responded to it. What's the definition of fee-for-service? Yeah, yeah. What's the difference of fee-for-service? So let's pick an easy number, $1,000 for a crown. Yep. I don't, you know, I don't know what your crown fee is. Um, I have a friend in Manhattan that charges $3,500 and I have a friend in Bangor that charges $650. Mm -hmm. But if I am truly a fee for service dentist, mm -hmm. but if a patient has a dental plan that's going to pay $500 of that $1,000 right. and they pay me $500, and I collect $1,000, I am a fee-for-service dentist. Right. I am not accepting the assignment. So maybe we should change it for non-accepting assignment dentist. Well, here's the problem. You are accepting the assignment. You're accepting the insurance check if the check comes directly to you. And this is where people get hung up on semantics for crying out loud. If I have one fee schedule, and that fee schedule applies to everybody, whether you have insurance, whether you don't have insurance, whether you're left-handed, right-handed, doesn't matter. Here's my fee, and I collect that money from part of insurance, part from you, part from your grandmother. It doesn't matter. I get the office gets paid one fee schedule. To me, that's a fee-for-service practice, period. 100%. I, I just don't, I don't get now some people who collect it all up front and the patient handles their insurance. God bless. That's wonderful. We choose to go the other way and we help the patient receive the best reimbursement they can. If the check comes to us, it minimizes their out of pocket expenses to us because they pay us to cope. It's very simple. It's, it's, and, and you just hit something on that's very, very important helping out the patient yeah we're in it with them <laughs> so here's the interesting thing mm -hmm. and so we want to do beautiful dentistry we want to base it on good science er, stop now let's talk about business mm -hmm. bring 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 hello dr who's office or hello russian floss dental center the most <laughs> stupid name in dentistry and i'll explain <laughs> In a minute. Hello, Dr. Hughes's <laughs> office. No. Hello, Russian Floss Dental Center. This is Martha. I can help you. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. What did you say? I can help you? Well, that's different. I'd like to have a cleaning in my, I, I need a cleaning. Okay. May I have your name? I have Tuesday afternoon open and I have Thursday afternoon open at three o'clock. Notice we didn't say, well, we don't have you come into the office to have a cleaning. You have to meet with Dr. Who, Sidney, Qualico, Latham first and to determine what kind of cleaning you need. And oh, by the way, what kind of insurance do you have? Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, 
<laughs> Russian Floss Dental Center, this is Martha. I can help you. I'd like to have a cleaning appointment. Yes, may I have your name and phone number? Or may I have your, may I or is this Martha Stewart calling at 203-000-000? Oh, by the, yes, it is. How does she know that? She has a screen in front of her that tells her who this patient is. Mm -hmm. We all have that, or you can have that, it's easy. So now suddenly, I said Martha Stewart, I made up the name, it's not the Martha Stewart. <laughs> but, um, so don't, Martha. Martha, please don't come get Jeffrey. Yeah, don't come and get me, you know, I'm, I, you're not my patient. Even if you were, I wouldn't tell anybody, so don't worry. Um, but I have an amazing story that someday I'll tell you off camera about a very famous patient. <laughs> very famous patient. And when they called the office, I said to my front desk, when she asked to speak to me, I said to my front desk, tell Sarah I'll call her tonight and quit fooling around. Because I have one friend that would say, Menachem Begin's on the phone. I go, Menachem Begin is dead. <laughs> And it turned out to be this very famous person. So anyway, needless to say. So we do everything we can to not have the barriers put up in front of the patient. Now, there is a very famous, famous person out there that will say, do everything you can to bring that patient into your practice. If someone calls and says, we are a Husky patient, an adult, and I'd like to make an appointment, it is okay to say to that patient, I apologize, our office does not participate in that particular insurance plan. We would be happy to help you, but you need to understand we do not participate in Husky plan, which is a Connecticut-based plan for patients who have no money. Mm -hmm. or but on the same token we treat a tremendous number of disabled patients in our practice who are on husky because we do that to contribute to our community it's a very different thing so you mm -hmm. said right away there are patients who come in and say my grandmother is going to pay for my porcelain veneers i don't have any money we go great and we make arrangements with grandma to pay so to back up, so based on the business model. And so the way I like to think about this is the following. We do everything we can not to put up barriers mm -hmm. to the patient to enter our office. So the way to think about this is the following. Think about the most favorite place you like to go out to dinner. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to tell, I'm going to tell a little story. The place that we used to like to go out to dinner was a place in New York City called Jambelli's. It was across from the Helmsley Palace on 50th and Madison. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very famous Italian place. My father-in-law went there as a young man and Mr. Jambelli was a very famous uh, entrepreneur restaurant tour. 
The place is now gone. It is an air shaft for the subway. And so we would save money to be able to go and eat there. We'd mm -hmm. save up for special occasions. So you call Jean Bellies in 1982. Bring, 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 bring. Good evening, Jean Bellies. How may I help you? I would love to come in and have, I'd love a dinner reservation for Saturday night at 7.30. May I have your name? It's Betsy Hoos, my wife. Mrs. Hoos, notice, Mrs. Hoos. I don't have a seven o'clock on Saturday, but I have a 6.45 and I have an 8.45. Which would you like? Mm -hmm. Binary choice. Yep. It's like buying shoes. Buying shoes, right. Binary choice. 6.45 would be wonderful. We get dressed up. We drive in to Manhattan. We pull up in front of Jean Belli's to leave off the car in my old wreck of a Buick. <laughs> and um, someone runs out of the restaurant, opens the door for my wife, comes around and says, Dr. Hoos, I'm going, how does he know I'm Dr. Hoos? That's kind of interesting. Please let me take your car. No, I'd like to pack, park it myself. I don't have the money to pay for valet parking. Dr. Hoos, there's no charge for valet parking. I'll take care of your car. I'll be ready for you when you're ready to leave. Oh, there's no charge for valet parking? Okay. I walk in, we walk in, the place is bustling, bustling. There's a very nice man standing there. He says, Dr. Mrs. Hoos, so nice to see you. Welcome back to Jean Belli's. May I take your coat? May I take your hat? It was in the middle, it was, you know, in the wintertime. May I take your coat and hat? Your table will be ready in a couple of minutes. Why don't you have a seat right here at the bar? Um, John, would you make sure Dr. Hoos gets his Manhattan and his wife has her Bloody Mary? And I say to John, you know, I think instead of a Manhattan tonight, I'm going to have a vodka martini. Right away, Dr. Hoos. Do you want vermouth in that or no vermouth? Da, 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 da. Within at seven, 6.45, we were there at 5.30, at 6.45, someone comes up and says, Dr. Mrs. Hoos, let me take your drinks for you. Your table is ready. And we get led back into the back of this restaurant. It is busy and noisy. And we sit down at this table and they hold the chair for my wife. And I sit down and there's, and there's sparkling water on the table. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did he know we like sparkling water? And we have this amazing meal and it's incredible. And everything about it's great. Everything about it is great. And the check comes and I look at the check and it's over $200 in 1982. And I take out my money to crisp $100 bills that I basically had saved. And I put another 50 there for a tip. And we get up and we walk out the door and there's my car.
there's my car. And we talk about it all the way back to Connecticut. Now, bring, 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 bring. John Vellis, please hold. Disconnect. Uh, 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 uh. Wow, that's strange. Bring, 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 bring. Hello, John Bellies, please hold. Disconnect. Wait a second. That is so strange. Bring, 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 bring. John Bellies, may I help you? I was wondering, I'd love to have a dinner reservation at seven o'clock Saturday night. We don't have any openings at seven o'clock for six weeks. Call back, click. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. John Bellies, please hold. You get it, right? You get it. So finally, finally, we get a reservation on a Sunday evening at 4.30, or Sunday at 4.30. It's raining out. We drive the car up. Nobody comes out. So I go to grab an umbrella. My wife says, I, I have a hood. Okay. She puts her hood on, takes me 20 minutes to find a place to park. I'm soaking wet when I walk back to Jean Belly's. And Betsy's standing there in the foyer of Jean Belly's because there's a line at the maitre d' counter and there's no one helping her. So now it's instead of 4.30, it's now 5.15. And, and I'm going, what is going on? So I work my way through, what do you want? I had a 4.30 reservation for dinner. You do? We don't have anything listed here for 4.30. You're clearly here on the wrong day. I have you for next Sunday. And oh, by the way, do you have an appointment card to show me what time you have? <laughs> So we're committed to Jean Bellis. So we go back next Sunday. We're committed. We go back next Sunday because we've been going to Jean Bellis for years. And the same maitre d' is not there anymore. And the bar is crowded and it's noisy. And instead of at 4.30, they take us at 5.30. And we get there and there's nothing on the table. And while we're sitting down, they're making up the table and they're putting down the cloth and they throw some breadsticks on the table. And I say, could we have some water, please? Yeah, I'll get to it as soon as I can. You know the story. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the amazing thing. The food is incredible. The food is like I remembered it. The injection doesn't hurt. Dr. Hoos is wonderful. The filling is beautiful. We get up to pay. I go to pay and I get the bill 200 bucks and I go to pay and someone says, we don't take cash. You really take credit cards. And I go, well, I don't have a credit card. Well, how do you expect to pay? We have, we'll, we take checks. We'll take a check with a, with the proper ID. We'll take a check. My wife said, well, I, have, I brought a credit card. So I fill out the credit card thing. The, the thing comes, the guy goes, your credit card's been denied. What do you mean my credit card's been denied? Would you try it again? I don't have time to try it again. I mean, you can write a check 
or you can, or, or we'll call the cops. We, we pay, we go back out. I walk to get my car. I'm soaking wet. I come back. It wasn't the same Jambelli experience, though the food was delicious. Now, all you have to do is think about a dental office. Mm-hmm. You know, bring, bring, ring. Just translate it into dental office, though the dentist still does superior dentistry. So the dentist still gives a painless injection. The dentist still does all of those things. It's not the same. So if you're not hearing from a staff member, or if you're not hearing from people in your office, I love my hygienist. How you folks answer the phone. You make it so easy to use my insurance. Everything is wonderful. Or my hygienist hurt me. I don't want to see that hygienist anymore. That dental assistant was very rough. I've let dental assistants go because they're not nice to the patients. Mm -hmm. It is a balance between the art, science, and business of dentistry. When we go into a practice, I used to do practice management stuff years and years ago, and I stopped doing it because it was making me crazy. <laughs> I would walk in and we'd find National Geographics from 1952, and the office smelled like eugenol. Um, the, the reality is that your front desk is the windows to your practice. Mm-hmm. The checkout process is extremely critical. How patients are treated on the phone is amazingly important. And all of those things make up the success of private practice. It's not about you. Most dentists think it's about, I do beautiful dentistry. I do magnificent dentistry. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. The truth of the matter is some of the lousiest dentistry I've ever seen in my life comes from the biggest practices. There was a dentist in my town who was the most awful dentist I've ever seen in my life. It took him 20 seconds to do a crown prep. All he would do is take away the undercuts, take stainless steel crowns, cement them with zinc phosphate cement, plop them on, and patient bite it in, bite it in, bite it in. He had an amazing practice. He never hurt anybody. So it's that science that you have to do. That's that art you have to do, but it's the balance of the business. You know what? You know what? Uh, Linda Miles says it just it just you just rings true. People judge you by everything but your dentistry. That's right. Linda and I I got to lecture together. (laughs) Linda and I, it was very interesting. Linda and I, Mm -hmm. she lectured on September 10th and I lectured on September 11th in Kansas City and we had dinner together and I had the auspicious of lecturing of the famous September 11th, 9-11. And she said in the lecture, it ain't what you do, it's how you do it. Yeah. It ain't what you do, it's, and you need, she said to, she goes, and you ladies, you need to put on a little rouge and lipstick, ladies, to look okay, even though you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> even though you don't know what you're doing. And it's, it's again, that balancing art, science, and business industry, it's, 
And so here's the interesting corollary. I, I happen to like, there's a store in, in Connecticut called Mitchell's and he is a patient of mine. And he wrote a very famous book called Hug Your Customers. And my, my practice happens to be in the book. And he talks about the difference between buying a jacket at TJ Maxx and buying a jacket at Mitchell's. The difference is they're both commodities. If you walk into TJ Maxx and I find a 46 long cashmere blazer and it was $600 marked down to $100, that's a commodity. But it's not the same experience as going into Mitchell's and being fitted for a suit. Now there are patients who don't care. Mm -hmm. Just as my daughter, my daughter will go into a blow dry station in Manhattan and get her hair blown dry. She doesn't care. She wants her hair blown dry. But I have another daughter who will not see anyone but Tina. Mm -hmm. There are different patients for different things. And lots of patients think they can go to a chain or a DSO or now I'm not saying DSOs are bad. Mm -hmm. Please, I'm not saying DSOs are bad. <laughs> Please, I'm not saying DSOs are bad. May I say it again? Yeah, sure. DSOs are not bad. <laughs> but there are chains of dental offices that give a different experience than what happens at Brush and Floss Dental Center. So when I have patients, and I'm very fortunate, who come and see me from around the country and from overseas, it's not that I'm, believe me, I said to a patient who comes in from California to see me, I can send you to see someone in California to do your dentistry. She goes, ah, I like going shopping in New York. I like coming, seeing everyone. Um, I don't want anyone touching my teeth. I said, you know, someday I'm going to die. She goes, well, let me know when that happens. I'll make arrangements then. <laughs> so the simple answer is, it is about the relationship you have with your patients, not the dentistry you do for your patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they judge you by everything but your dentistry. Yeah, and it's funny, like the analogy, I remember her talking about patients sitting in your chair and they look up at your ceiling tile and there's a water stain. Their perception of your dentistry now is dirty, sloppy, not clean, not sterile, whatever. Correct. It's not favorable. Tom Warren talks about having a Ritz-Carlton bathroom. Mm -hmm. Ritz-Carlton bathroom. Um, there was someone on the circuit, I don't remember, there was Sally McKenzie or Jenny D. St. George or mm -hmm. Linda Miles, whoever it was, she goes, see what the patient sees. Yes. Hear what the patient hears. Smell what the patient smells. Mm -hmm. Sit down in your dental chair and look around. Sit down in your dental chair and look up. Yep. Look around. Mm -hmm. People compliment your office is so clean. Your office is so fresh. Your office is this, your office is that. You have such beautiful plants in your office. You have beautiful, I have, I'm very fortunate. My mother was a professional artist. I have some magnificent art in my practice mm -hmm. from given to me by patients. Um, it is not a dental office. It is a place that you come to have dentistry. I, I want to quickly tell you about the name Brush and Floss Dental Center. It's pretty funny. 
I used to write on the backs of my checks, don't forget to brush and floss. I would sign, I would sign little notes on the backs of the checks, like, thank you so much for being my patient. I appreciate you coming in. I wouldn't just endorse them. I was so glad to have, the, have them. I wanted to thank people. And I would write, don't forget to brush and floss. And then one, a few years later, one of my dental assistants, Nora, would, when she would bring someone out to the front desk, she goes, now, Mrs. Smith, don't forget to brush and floss. And at one time, we were the largest Sonicare user in the United States. Sonicare contacted me and said, what are you doing with all these Sonicare toothbrushes? I said, well, I give them away. They give them what you give them away. And I said to the rep, if someone has four units of Crown and Bridge, I think I can afford to give them a Sonicare toothbrush. So it was the kind of thing was setting yourself apart from someone else. So I said that in an election once and he said, do you know how much Sonicare toothbrushes cost? I said, yes, I know. I buy them 500 at a time. I know exactly how much they cost. You give them away? What happens if they break? I give them another one. Sandy White, a friend of mine, says that dentists trip over pennies to get to quarters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we use a brush in our practice called Gobi, which has brush and floss dental center on them. Oh, I digressed it. So I digressed. So anyway, the name Brush Boss Dental Center, some, Nora would answer the phone. Hello, don't forget to brush and floss. This is Nora, I can help you. So then one of my good friends, Michael Vogel, came up with a logo of brush and floss that I put on my business cards. And then we started answering the phone, Brush and Floss Dental Center. And the next thing you know, the name stuck. And everyone goes, that is a stupid name. You're absolutely right. It's a stupid name. But now we have a freestanding building in Stratford, Connecticut that says Brush and Floss Dental Center on it. And when people come in from Manhattan on the train and they go, I'm going to, where are you going? I'm going to Brush and Floss Dental Center. Oh, the big blue building in the north end of Stratford. It's now a landmark. Right, right. Just as my child when she would see the golden arches, she'd go, hamburger. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say the same thing, just like a McDonald's, right. you know, hamburger. a Pizza Hut roof, uh, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's, and so now, instead of answering the phone, hello, Dr. Hoos, Zitney, Qualic, and Latham, it's hello, Brush and Bloss Dental Center, I can help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a, our, our practice was not exactly the same, but it was, you know, my name, I was a first doctor, and then I had a doc in with me, another doctor, and, you know, as, as you've talked about, right? And finally, we said, you know, this is really, it's not about me personally anymore. It's about our office. So we did an office naming contest. Wow. We had a lot of fun with it. We had, uh, we put up a mountain bike was hanging up. That was one of the prizes, you know, and, and we had, we had hundreds and thousands of, of replies. One lady, she submitted gotta be 200 of them and she she had two of the top five no joke and and we named it progressive dental and that was one of her choices and and she's still and i still ask her you still got that mountain bike because that's what she wanted 
she saw the mountain bike. She was like, I'm getting it. That's a great thing. I will say that I got a letter from a patient saying, do you no longer see denture patients because you talk about brushing and flossing? (laughs) You know, so, which brings an interesting business thing also. I had a patient a number of years ago who had, for years, I sort of treated her patching together. And one day she came in and she had a, she had, she brought her grandchildren and she had dentures in her mouth. And I said, Mary, what happened? She goes, well, I went and had dentures made. And I said, I gotta ask you, Mary, why didn't you ask me to do that? She goes, you do dentures? <laughs> so your patients need to know the services that you offer. Right, yeah. They need to know the services you offer. So this whole concept of balancing art science with dentistry, beautiful dentistry based on good science, good business, making sure your patients are comfortable, painless injections. And the last thing I would say about business is every patient that has had a surgical experience or extensive dentistry is called that evening by me. Mm -hmm. Comfort care calls. And what's so interesting, when I pick up the phone, I say, hi, this is doctor, this is doctor, this is doctor Jeffrey, who's calling? I want to see how you're feeling. New patients are dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is, if I did a surgical procedure and I forgot to call someone, older patients go, hey, Jeff, why didn't you call me? (laughs) here's here's one for you along the same lines right my wife and i uh celebrated our i think it was our 30th anniversary and uh, and we both went for colonoscopies together on our anniversary okay (laughs) so i'm a hopeless romantic i'm sorry and so we went in now at this point i don't think i've ever met the gi doc I've met his nurse practitioner. I've met right. so-and-so. So we go in there together and, 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 and the person comes in to prep and says, okay, well, who's going to go first? And my wife's like, okay. So I went through the process with my wife for her. And then when I was to go, um, I still never met the doctor. So I was brought in, I was put under, long story short, I get done. I still have not seen the doctor. So we've both gone through, not only haven't I not got a a phone call from the doctor to check on me, I don't, I couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup with a gun to my head. So I, I mean, you call somebody after you've done a crown, uh, a root canal, a filling, you're like, oh, now you're calling me, but you're calling me like, I just had my, my appendix out. I never even got a phone call. You know, I got a call from the billing office in the hospital. So you know the difference, right? Right. One's elective and one's non-elective. One's elective and one's non-elective. And the business model they're working under is he has to do a colonoscopy every 20 minutes because he's used to earning a million dollars a year and now he's earning 400. Mm -hmm. The pediatricians are getting slammed. They're getting killed. Oh, yeah. Pediatricians who are earning Mm $60,000. I was sitting in synagogue uh, on the high holidays, not paying attention, sitting next to an orthopedic surgeon, a friend of mine. 
I said to him, Norman, I'm curious, how's it going? He goes, it's terrible. Why is it terrible? He goes, you know, Jeff, I do a total knee, a total knee. And I do my pre-op, I do my radiographs, I do my CAT scans, whatever I need to do. I go in, I do the total knee. I see the patient post-op, if there are any complications, and I don't get paid for any of this stuff. And I said, well, at what point don't you do it anymore? He goes, $1,734. I go, $1,734? He goes, yeah, that's my reimbursement. And if it goes below that, I'm not doing it anymore. I sit down and I place an implant and my fee is $27.50 for an implant plus the crown. And I get $5,200 to place an implant with a crown. And I'm done. And I'm literally after 4,000 implants. And I use it using an X. I use a product called XNAV now, which is guided surgery in mm -hmm. the office, which is an amazing. For those of you who do implants, you want to look at an XNAV um, distributed by Nobel. Um, we have become, I'm proud to say, a Nobel teaching office now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. And so I can literally sit down without a surgical stint and place an implant in perfect position literally in 20 minutes. Now, somebody's worked up that patient before I come in, but you can be sure Mrs. Smith knows exactly who I am because I'm probably the one that took out the tooth and grafted it and we had a, and we had a consultation. And in terms of business, I, I wanna say one other thing. And most people will disagree with me, but my consultations go like this. Mrs. Jones, you have a tooth missing on this lower left molar. And one of the ways we can replace this was with a dental implant. Another way we can replace this is to basically three crowns there that are connected together. They're almost the same fee. Is this something you'd like to consider? Then you say nothing until they speak. The first one that speaks loses. <laughs> you know how hard that is for a young dentist to learn that? But go ahead. God gave you two ears and one mouth. For a reason. So if I have to do a full mouth reconstruction and I have someone come in and you know, and I know that they need 30 crowns, mm -hmm. my consultation goes as follows. Mr. Jones, you've come to see me. You're unhappy with your smile. You can't bite. Your teeth are all broken down. You need 30 crowns. And each one of those crowns is $1,700. So let's see, 30 times 17 is how much? Mm -hmm. As soon as he says the number, he heard the number. When you say the number, Dr. Who's never told me how much this was. Now, somebody said to me, well, wait a minute. 
How do you know how many root canals he needs? How many, how do you know about his TMD? How do you know about this? How do you know about that? Wait a second. I've had patients say to me, well, 30 crowns at $2,000 a crown, let's see is $60,000. I mean, that's something I'd be interested in doing. Or they've said, I make $1,000 a week. How much does my insurance company pay? We're having two different conversations. And so what I say is the following. You come home and your wife says to you, your husband says to you, I've decided I'm going to do the foyer over. Okay. And I'm going to be putting in travertine marble there. Okay. How much is this going to cost? It's $22,000. $22,000, what have you lost your mind? We throw around numbers in dentistry and when you hear someone say in the practice management world, don't you feel good enough about yourself to spend this money? You are not competing with money. You are competing with what I call vacations and VCRs. Mm -hmm. You are competing with paying your bills, taking your kids on vacation, paying for college. It is discretionary income or money unless someone sees something that is they're in need of. So last night at six o'clock, someone snapped off an upper right bridge and was fit in at the last, my last appointment. And I said, Jay, you've, you, I, I apologize. I never call people by their first names, never, unless they're dear personal friends of mine. No one is allowed to call anyone by their first name in our office. We have not earned the right for that. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Smith, you broke off this bridge. You're going to need three implants. Each one of these implants is $2,650, $2,750, and you need three crowns plus the extractions. Is this something you want to do? He goes, well, I need to do it. He gave me the precise number. He was a merchant, owned a grocery store, gave me the precise number. said, how can, soon can you do this, Dr. Hoos? My staff member looks at me and she goes, we can move someone around four o'clock Tuesday afternoon. I said, I'll be here. I said, I'm just wondering, can I give you half down and then pay it over three months? Yes. Mm -hmm. We internally finance lots of things. So now if someone needs a full mouth reconstruction and I've been, it's been argued with me 150 ways. If you, God forbid, knocked out your four front teeth and you said, you know, Jeff, I need you to do this for me because I know you're the world's greatest dentist. My partners can't do this and I want to pay it for it. And I tell you that it's going to be $23,000. You can write a check for $23,000. But if I say to you, you know, this is going to take me four months to do it. Would you like to pay for this over four months? That's how I buy my cars. Mm -hmm. That's how I the whole lease, world buys everything. I, I lease very expensive cars. Mm -hmm. I can afford to buy my wife a Porsche Cayenne Turbo, but I would much rather pay for it every month because the finance charge on that 
is 0.9%. So mm -hmm. it's again, allowing the barriers of dentistry to be knocked down. Mm -hmm. Joe Stephen may rest in peace on a company called Kisco. And, yeah, I remember that. and he said to me, and Joe unfortunately died of bladder cancer. Ugh. He ignored peeing blood. Mm -hmm. He ignored it. Um, and we used to talk about having high accounts receivable. I will tell you, we were able to sustain the COVID downturn of 12 weeks because we have high accounts receivable. We have people paying us monthly. And the final story I'll tell you is the following. My father owned a little tiny grocery store in Old Town, Maine. Mm -hmm. Men would come in from the factory on Friday, cash their $25 check, buy $5 worth of groceries, $6 worth of groceries, and give them 3 or $4. And over the years, people came in every single week. And even when the AMP came and the stop and shop came, they still came into my father's Hoos Market and would pay three or $4, $5, $10 a week. And when the business was closed, he had hundreds and hundreds of dollars on his books. And I said to him, why did you do that? He said, if your cash flow sustains your lifestyle, then it doesn't matter. He said, if you have a thousand people paying you a hundred dollars a month, would that be okay? The second part of that story is that we went, he was, he used to come, <laughs> he used to come and have a cup of coffee in my office in the morning and read a newspaper. And I was doing a consultation for someone and they went up to the front desk and the front desk person said, today's charge is $75 for Dr. Who's consultation. He got up from the chair, walked back to the operatory and said, Jeff, could I see you for a moment? In the middle of everything. My father was a very little man. I'm 6'2", he was 5'4". He brought me back into my little private office and he closed the door and he goes, are you stupid? I go, what are you talking about? He said, I just heard someone say they charge $75 for a consultation. And I said, well, I, I gave someone an opinion. I, I'm a professional. He goes, the last time I went to test drive a car no one charged me to test drive the car. Do not charge people money to come and meet you. It's stupid. And I have never charged for a consultation since. Mm -hmm. And I give away a lot of cone beams. Yes, yeah, so do I. Charge. And yeah, I so give I. away a lot of consultations and I give away all of my denture adjustments. Mm -hmm. And I give away a lot of dentistry because I want patients to know how wonderful we are. Mm -hmm. It was, it was re-emphasized 22 years ago 
I was giving a lecture in Las Vegas for Joe Steven. We did a two-day implant class. I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the coffee shop of the Wynn Hotel. There were three guys sitting next to me. One guy says to the guy, I'm not doing it. The other guy said, Marty, we drove all the way from California. What do you mean you're not doing it? He goes, I'm not doing it. The other guy says, Marty, come on. It, what's $150? He goes, I'm not doing it. So me being so shy, I go, I got to ask you guys, what are you talking about? He goes, I'll tell you what we're talking about. There's a Ferrari dealership in the Wynn Hotel. We came from California to buy a Ferrari. We went downstairs. They told us it was $150 to come into the showroom. I told them, we're here to buy a Ferrari. The woman said, I'm sorry, it's $150 to come in into the showroom. That's how we keep the riffraff out. He goes, fine. I have a cashier's check for $200,000 here. I'm not buying a Ferrari. Don't charge for consultations. <laughs> then when someone says, well, how do you know what you need to know? The worst thing is someone does is they take models of someone's mouth, they do a full mouth wax up and they bring out the models on an articulator and they go, this is what I'm gonna make you look like. What is that? And I will tell one more story. It happened last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> a very well-known person came to my office. She's in the hygiene room. I come in and introduce myself. She is, of course, sitting up. When I introduce myself, my hygienist says, Hi, this is Dr. Hoos. This is Mrs. Smith. I said, welcome to our office. She goes, I'm going to tell you something that I think is incredible. You don't have a GD monitor in the ceiling of your office. She said, I think it's abusive. I don't want someone showing me all the nooks and crannies of my mouth. I know that there are problems in here and I find it abusive. And you're my dentist. Because you, this is exactly what she said. Your hygienist asked me about me before she started talking to me about my teeth. There you have it. Mm -hmm. Sums it up, right? And then that's, uh, it doesn't make for sexy media, social media posts, does it? <laughs> it certainly doesn't. Right, it's, it's, it's still basic human connections I, I i don't care who i've talked to i don't care what 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 venue it is and people i think that actually get the most out of dentistry are the people who love and appreciate the human element and um, I, I think that's essential to everything we do one last question i do want to ask you that has nothing to do with dentistry oh. i've asked everybody um if you could go to any time or place where would you go and why? I want to be at Mount Sinai because I want to really find out if they really brought the tablets down. Oh, I love it. Nobody's gone there yet. That's great. <laughs> because I will tell you, I am not a religious guy. 
I'm, I've been, I was president of the Jewish Federation of New Haven. I was chairman of the foundation. I'm very involved in Jewish communal work. Mm -hmm. And I had an experience where, and I say this not to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. I have a very well-known priest in my practice. And we joke all the time about religion. And I said, you know, Jesus was one of our boys. <laughs> and he laughs and he, and he laughs. He says, you're right. And I said, and I got to tell you, Reverend, um, I don't remember what I call him, Father Jones. I said, when I die, I better have some answers. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, you know, Dr. Hughes, you will have the answers. I go, okay. So that evening, I happened to go to a synagogue meeting and I happened to say to my rabbi, I related the story. And he goes, how the hell does he know? <laughs> so I figure I'd like to know. I'd really like to know if there was a thing that happened at Sinai. I'd kind of like to know. Do you, do you believe in, in, in Mel Brooks's uh, version of it? That there were 15? There was really 15. <laughs> and, and one dropped. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, or, or you know, the 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 joke of um, God offers the commandment to people, and and a Jewish guy says, "I'll take ten of them. I'll take ten of them." I mean, <laughs> the answer is, I, and I've said this a hundred times: if Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Indira Gandhi, whoever, all came into a room and saw what's going on in the world, they go, "What is going on?" Mm -hmm. that we talked about loving loving each other and loving thy neighbor and being nice to each other and here you are killing everybody right come on so right. i guess what i'd say is you know i said that half of just i'd like but i'd like to know if it's the truth but i will say i would think that the 50s had to have been, I grew up, I was born in the 1952, but I grew up in the tumultuous time of the 60s. Uh -huh. I would like to think that the golden age of the 50s, of coming back from the war, even though it was a Korean War, mm -hmm. and people were building things, and it was growth in America, and people were innocent, there was more innocence. That might have been a very cool time, but it would have been kind of cool to be at the Alamo. I mean, you know, <laughs> so it's a, it, it really is a pause for that. But I want to thank you so much for having me. Oh, I appreciate I, it. I have another podcast I'm actually doing in about 15 minutes. I, I really want to leave everybody with the following. Dentistry has been an amazing practice, has been an amazing thing for me. Mm -hmm. It's provided for my family, it's provided for my staff, it's it's allowed me to have things in my life that I never thought I would have. I mean, like I said, my father was making 25 or 30 bucks a week, living, uh, eating out of the store because he didn't have the money to bring home money to the family. And when you find yourself feeling down and out about dentistry, stop. Mm -hmm. You are part of the healing arts. Mm -hmm. Dean Shiras said the first day of dental school you have been given the right to cut human tissue. 
that's really that's really something. Mm -hmm. If you've been given the right to cut human tissue and to heal people, not a lot of people get to do that. And so you need to honor your profession by doing the best you can every day. The old joke, if you bat 500, you can play for anyone. Right. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's, that's, that's going to wrap us up. And I really appreciate your time. Um, I think everybody we have, and we will list on our uh, show notes, how to get in touch with you and your office. And like you said, uh, the dental insights is a Facebook yes. group that you started. And, um, you know, the many, uh, I didn't even cover all the th things that you lecture about, but I know the painless injection one will, will change your practice immediately. So they can also go out and see Tom Orrent. We did a podcast with Tom Orrent, which is video. They can yeah. certainly go there and see that. Yeah. In fact, I just got that on email from him the other day. So it's great Good. stuff. I really uh, appreciate it. I hope you all stay nice and dry and warm. It's raining here. Remember, it's all about balancing. You got it. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee for service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.